Hi everyone, I'm Michelle. Hi, I'm Tara. Welcome back to our podcast Books and Beyond with Bound Season 4. <laughs> Where we talk to some of the finest writers in India to find out what makes them tick. So as you guys know, both of us we are editors, we're podcasters, we're storytellers and through Bound we really want to help you create stories and put them out into the world. So let's begin the episode. And you know we just received a really lovely message from a listener today in our inbox and it's from an unnamed well-wisher. It's kind of like a secret Santa but only a month after Christmas. Yeah, do you have any idea who it is, Vishal? No, no. Okay, but anyways, the message is really sweet to so whoever sent it. Thank you. So they say that I have been following Bound throughout the pandemic and all of your content keeps me going. So please continue to keep up the good work. So Thanks so for, sweet. You know, thanks everybody for writing in. <laughs> so here's a reminder to all of you writers out there about our special offer this year. We came up with our you know one-on-one mentorship programs for writers because we know how solitary writing can be, right? Writing prompts, exercises, feedback, and so much fun is in store for all those lucky ones who manage to book their slots before March first because we have very limited slots left. So how do you book? Use the discount code BOUNDMENTY2022 and get a 10% discount on our 3-month mentorship program. Book your slots for the year before March 1st, 2022. You have lots of feedback, reading and fun in store. Yes, don't forget the discount code. It's BOUNDMENTY2022. So book your slot now. The link is in our show notes. We spoke to Shivani Sibal on this episode, who wrote her debut novel about Delhi and its disparity in class. She shared with us, you know, how challenging it was to really understand her male characters because she grew up in a household full of women. Yeah, so the book is about two uh, two boys who, you know, they're from different classes and they're friends when they're kids and the dynamic, you know, that happens when they grow up. But what I really liked about the book was. it's focus on women actually even though the main characters were two guys um yeah. and she really went into the details of you know the trials and tribulations and the emotions of these women in a very honest way that really showed a mirror to society and i didn't know this michelle but actually her mom and sister both into publishing so her m- mother is namita gokhale who's a legend she's a evergreen writer and uh, meru gokhale who is uh, an editor and a, a name behind so many successful writers so this gene of you know good writing is obviously in her family <laughs> yeah totally i mean i think you can make out you know through the really refined writing and, and you know that i was especially curious about the character uh, rajesh right so there are these two boys and especially rajesh because he was quite different from her right he so works character, as the domestic help yeah yes yes and you know i am i i think i'm drawn to stories that explore the depths of personalities who are who are you know different like just because of class because of society and i recently saw this film archipelago um, have you seen it No no I've never even heard of it what is it about it's actually a family drama okay and it's very interesting because this family goes on a holiday and they hire a help for their meals right so there's this cook they have hired and my favorite scenes throughout the movie was just when they showed that cook conversing with uh, you know with the hero 
Hmm. Because I just I don't know I love it when they, when they talk about their life or when they you know even just share very small details about their work days. It's really interesting. No, it kind of makes you think, you know, because we are on the other side, and even yeah. like calling them a day that you know there's so many problems around it. But anyways, we're not here yes. to discuss that. We're here to discuss uh, Shivani Sibal. Your actually movie recommendation brought to me another one. Uh, it's called The Help. I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Like merges the race issue into all of this. I mean, it, it, there's yes. a lot to unpack. So we do try and unpack Correct. a lot of that with you know uh, the person who's explored it. That yes. is Shivani. So definitely, you know, uh, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. And also for anyone who hasn't visited Delhi, this is a perfect opportunity to get a great glimpse into everything that Delhi has to offer, good, bad, and ugly. So let's go. <laughs> yes, let's dive in. So welcome Shivani. Welcome Shivani. Thank you. We're Tara. very excited. Happy to be here. I read your book. Yeah, I yeah. I firstly I love the cover of the book. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It it just reminds me of like my grandparents are from Delhi, so it reminds me of you know like spending afternoons in uh, their house in Delhi, and then I picked up the book and just sort of devoured it. So the first question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, Shivani, you know your book focuses on these class differences between. Ahan, who is the heir of this wealthy Sikand family, and Rajesh, who is the house help, and they grow up as friends, and then they come apart. And you had mentioned before, you know, in other interviews that you wanted to explore friendship, but um, you know, why, why, why did you explore class? What is it about exploring these class dynamics that motivates you as a writer? Um, you know, this central theme of the book. which is two friends separated by class as you you know just said that is power and class is all about the center of the book you know when i grew up in delhi like kids like me we went to play outside every evening in the colony right and we were unsupervised by adults and just told you know when it becomes dark come back home and the street lights come on and it was a very normal thing back then you know spontaneous play with whoever was around and uh, you know that doesn't happen now you know all uh, friendships of children are curated by their parents right and kids would come to the park from you know the what are called the kothis the bungalows and the quarters alike the staff quarters you know they came from very different backgrounds played together and were friends for those two hours right and that friendship led to empathy and understanding of each other and uh, you know that's where this idea came from of two friends separated by class now why class i think was a question which you you came up with right and you know as you know i'm a debut novelist and you know what i took to heart is i didn't know very much about writing and i had got this great advice from people write what you know i think this is one of the classic writing advice given out to people and you know any act of creativity is by its very nature fraught with self doubt so i needed confidence on my subject at the very least so you know i had explored these interactions myself and lived them as a young child and this is kind of the story i wanted to explore and i think it worked well <laughs> yes it absolutely did um and we were actually talking about the title you know it's really really difficult to uh, arrive at a title that is really apt for the book right but we thought there was nothing better than equations because especially when i kept reading the book i imagined this uh, you know seesaw between both the boys and because there's a constant shift in the power roles right so what were the other titles that uh, you considered and how did you actually arrive at uh, the final title the only title i ever considered was equations 
I knew that this book would be called Equations, and there is a re- you know a reason behind it. Is the equations between all the characters and their shift is the central theme of the book. That is a crux of what this book is about. So I was very clear on the title and what I wanted pretty early in the process. And the title really, it's such an apt title because it's all about that power balance. I like what you uh, said about, you know, it's very interesting that you observed um, what's happening around you and then you wrote this book. And you said that you obviously wrote this book from memory. And I find it very interesting because what you do so well is you take what is around you and translate it but you also go into characters that obviously you don't know anything about. For example, uh, you know, we actually don't know uh, the inner workings of uh, someone like Rajesh or even, you know, you being a woman to go into the characters of these two boys. So it was sort of very close um, as well as sort of very imaginative as well. And I really liked that dynamic for you as an author as well. Since you you say you've grown up with women in other interviews uh, and you didn't even have a brother. So how did that play in when you were going into the heads of class through these two boys? You know, yes, uh, you're, you're right, Tara. I don't have a brother. And in fact, my father died when I was very young. So I have, uh, you know, grown up surrounded by women. And I have very little insight into the psyche of the male mind. This is all correct. Um it's to the extent that when I finished writing this, I had to check with friends who are male whether I got the tone accurate of how men think. That's how unsure I was of this. So why did I put myself through this? You know, for the challenge, I was very confident of my subject, which is, you know, Delhi, the class relations, the nuances. I felt very confident of that. So I wanted to push myself on exploring the characters. I wanted to get out of my own comfort zone because also I think what happens if I'd stayed in that is a lot of things would have been so obvious to me that I wouldn't have bothered pointing them out. So I wanted to think outside my own mind and that I felt would also give the book a more non-judgmental tone. So that's what I was going for. Yes. And one of the things that I really liked about the book was that, you know, it really did feel like a mirror. So it, in that sense, it felt, it felt at least for me personally, um, you know, growing up the way that I did, it sort of felt like um, a mirror to society while at the same time sort of taking you into other dimensions. Thank you. That's yeah. in fact quite what I was going for. So that's uh, very heartening <laughs> to hear. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, adding to the friendship with Shivani, actually, I was thinking of other books which which cover female friendship, right? So Elena Ferrante has done it really well. And, and lots of writers are doing that, but we don't often see male friendships in, in uh, fiction. And I think your book uh, did it really well, you know, which makes me think about your your process. So you've mentioned that, you know, you uh, wrote the book three years ago and, and, you know, you hadn't told anyone that you were working on it. My God, I don't know what, what willpower, you know. And since it's your first work of fiction, I wanted to know what, um, you know, drove you to, to complete it without sharing it with anyone. You know, like how did you manage to finish a first draft without any validation? I was fairly diffident be honest, because I, you know, I didn't know, you know, whether I would even finish it, you know, I'll go as far as saying that. And, you know, the, the beginning part, which you're talking about, I didn't tell anyone was the most difficult part, the loneliest part, because, you know, I have all these random passages in my head. And it's like connecting an intellectual jigsaw puzzle with the pieces kind of scattered in my mind. Now, what I've seen is if you tell someone you're writing a book, and, you know, I have the privilege of being uh, close to several writers, uh, you know, in the community. There's this pressure of 
oh, how is it going? Now, I don't know the answer to that question at this point, right? I didn't even know whether what I had in my mind would come together as a coherent story. So did it take willpower? No, I was in no hurry to tell anyone because I was just kind of saving myself the embarrassment if I hadn't finished. So yes, after I finished the first draft, there was a credible beginning, middle and end. Then I felt, okay, now I can see this to its, uh, you know, to the last mile. So then I shared news with others. I totally relate to that, <laughs> you know, because sometimes when you announce something and then you don't follow through, it is very embarrassing. So okay. even I sometimes just try and wait it out, even though I personally die to tell people. Now, of course, when I write a second book, everybody's like, where hmm. is your second book coming? Right. Uh, you know, I'll have to kind of deal with that a little better this time. And hopefully it'll make me a little less lazy and make me work a little harder. The pressure, right? <laughs> <laughs> Pressure is sometimes good. Yeah. But you know, your book, uh, another thing that I, I liked about the book was that it was very quiet in tone. You know, it said a lot, but the characters, they were not overly aggressive um, or violent and things like that. Especially Rajesh, who is the house help and he's Ahan's childhood friend. You know, he stands out from the other house help because you've really portrayed him as this very sensitive character. And he takes these everyday humiliations to his heart um, and versus the other characters who have sort of a thicker skin. So I was very interested uh, in what made you add this trait for him um, as a driving force for him to, you know, break out of his role um, and do what he did. Um, you know, he could have been a rebel. He could have been many other things aggressive, but you chose sensitivity. So why sensitivity? So, you know, Tara, I... I started out by the premise that all human beings are similar in their desires, aspirations, uh, personality traits. And there is a tendency for people such as myself. I'm not at all uh, you know, suggesting this is a problem of the world that I don't, uh, I don't have to otherize people who are not from our uh, who we don't necessarily understand as well. And then we, we go into this uh, sort of thing of not imagining that they have the same range of emotions, thoughts, feelings that we do. And, you know, I started out from this premise that every person has a range of emotions. And what I wanted to pick in Rajesh was sensitivity, that here, here is a young man who has grown up in a very difficult environment, where on one hand, he's a friend, on one hand, he's the son of a staff member. And why should that only bring out aggression in him? It can just as well make him reflective and sensitive, like would anybody else. So that is where that came from. Also, you know, I feel on another note, there's a lot of negativity and uh, there's a particular kind of portrayal of class division, which is, like you said, quite aggressive. And I wanted to move away from that because that's not the only dimension that this has. Yeah, yeah, no, true. I mean, that, that makes us think about, uh, you know, different books or different uh, films that have portrayed that. And one movie that comes to mind, uh, sorry, one book that comes to mind is The White Tiger, right? Um, and, and I really like how you said, you know, we, we kind of assume that the other person would not feel what we feel or, or you know, they have completely different feelings. And that makes me think about, um, representation like in in because we do have a lot of conversation around this nowadays right like who gets to write what and and are we really allowed to write uh, about a character who's not like us right there's a lot of conversation a lot of debate and you know we've been following it very closely so I wanted to know so how can one really know the truth like like how can one really get into a character's head and know uh, what they're thinking so for example Rajesh obviously Rajesh is quite different from you and different from your own experience so uh, what did you do to really understand Rajesh's point of view 
So, you know, uh, this goes back to a question which a number of people have asked me is how did you come up with this idea, right? And all I can say is it's it's ubiquitous. It's all around me. How could I not? You know, there are people around me and through, you know, my work and my life, I have had the privilege of interacting with very, very different kinds of people. And I wish I had some great answer to how I did. But if you, again, come back to the premise that everybody has the same desires, maybe, if, you know, different things or different levels. You know, each person feels the same range of emotions that I do. And I just projected that. To be honest, there's no magic answer here, unfortunately. It really did make me think, you know, like we can never know, um, you know, what the other person is thinking. And, you know, um, I grew up with house help and they were always sort of considered like family, much like Rajesh was. Um, And it was a quite a jarring experience for me to sort of read the book because it put me in the position of Ahan uh, where, you know, and I didn't want to think of myself as a character that could, you know, cause um, somebody who's different from me harm or, you know, make them feel bad. And it, it really did make me think, you know, how much do they really think like, did, did my house have really think like this or, you know, uh, what was going on in their head. So that was quite but, interesting. You know, me. Tara, to, to answer that, you know, how do we know we got it right? I would say in fiction, we mostly don't. We don't know. I mean, this is my take on something. I may be entirely wrong. I can only hope that it resonates with readers. And that's it. I think that if we go into what's right and what's wrong, that's not great for creativity. Because I should agree that I may get entirely wrong. You may think what I've written doesn't resonate and that's fine too. Right, right. No, it's very interesting. And um, I also wanted to ask, you know, uh, about the your use of third person. I find the use of third person interesting because it allows you to sort of go into different uh, of the characters' heads and also be a spectator. So we wanted to know a little bit more about you, the writer, in real life. Um, you know, are you generally an active participant or are you the spectator? that, you know, observes and, uh, you know, chronicles society. So, you know, this third person perspective, fly on the wall perspective. You know, I wrote this novel uh, at times of the day when I had some quiet because I do have young children and, you know, it's, it's kind of difficult to, well, think. And uh, when I did manage to get into the trance-like state, it takes me to ideate. I would be in the room with the seconds. They would be talking to each other. And I'm just kind of transcribing. I'm typing. I've written. I don't know who wrote it when I've written it. Does that make any sense? I don't know. But that's what happened, right? Is that you are going deep into the recesses of your own mind, specifically in a book written by memory. And all kinds of synapses and connections are like firing up. So yeah, that is the process. Personally, I mean, I thought I was like, you know, pretty out there. And my friends and family said, we didn't know you're watching us so closely. In fact, now we'll behave better around you, whatever that means. So <laughs> take away from that what you can, okay? <laughs> so how much of your friends and family were in the book? So, <laughs> you know, I, I, somebody asked me this question yesterday, and I must read out a passage which is right or, or a part of the book, which is right at the beginning to answer that question. It's right, uh, you know, near the dedication page. And it says, and I quote, this is a work of fiction. And all characters and incidents described in this book are a product of the author's imagination. <laughs> Any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, is entirely coincidental. 
but you know that part, that, that part, <laughs> that part, you know, I I do have an answer for that. Um, and it's in two parts. The first part is um, I didn't want to write about anyone I knew, and there were two reasons. First is you know it's it's a bit lazy. You know, you just kind of take the lives of people around you and just sort of put it down. Where's the imagination in that? And the second is it's kind of cruel because, you know, I mean, I can only tell you I would not want that done to me. I'm quite sure. Okay. And then, you know, the good news is none of my friends and family have broken up with me. They all still like me. Great. The second part of this is that I wanted this, this, the characters to counterintuitively be generic. Because I wanted everyone to identify with them. I wanted, say, a Michelle or a Tara who don't know the people I know to say, well, doesn't this person remind you of so-and-so? And doesn't this person remind you of so-and-so? I felt it would cause the book to resonate, the characters to resonate more. You know, I'm drawn to poetry since my teens. I like how poets are able to condense, you know, a huge, overwhelming experience into something which can be explained in just a few words. And and a collection I read recently has done that very well. Akhila Mohan's collection, Tamarin, which is published by Kitab. And I admire the publisher because they always publish good work. And the title Tamarin really stood out to me because I'm especially fond of that spice. I'm often found raiding the tamarind jar. But jokes apart, Akhila has managed to write about life's sour experiences with so much room for the reader. Like, even though they were her experiences, I felt like I was a part of the book, you know. And if I had to pick one poem from the collection, it would be Amma. And the last lines of that poem really haunt me. They are a debt that we can never repay. And my God, like, I just, you know, I can't forget those lines. So I think all the poems, they, they deal with really, really um, heavy themes, you know, like heartbreak, loss, longing. But the way Akhila has written it would, would, you know, I would say readers would just breeze through the collection and yet the poems would stay with them. So do check out the collection. It's very interesting how you how you navigate um, so many things in the book, right? Like we said, uh, third person um, really gives you, um, I would say, that upper hand because you you tell us about so many more characters. And and what I really liked about it was, you know, though the book is actually focused on two boys, what you managed to do really well is the female characters also, in, in a way, are a life. Uh, you know, of the book, because I was drawn to Parul, who is um, Ahan's wife, especially because how her, you know, financial background differs from her friends. And she's not, you know, able to go abroad to study like them. And then it's really difficult for her to fit into Ahan's way of life. Um, I found that really interesting. So I really liked Ahan's mom. Um, and I like, I don't want to give away too much, but I like that, you know, she becomes this loner because something happens. Yeah, but but we wanted to focus on on the female characters, you know, you know, for a bit. So I wanted to know which one was the most challenging to write, and and which one was was your favorite. Even the female characters that I've explored are outside of my comfort zone. In that, you know, I've grown up in a very liberal atmosphere and very women dominated. However, you know, the effects of patriarchy, you know, both of you, I'm sure, will agree with me, are everywhere. No one is unscathed, right? So, you know, find me a girl or woman in this country who hasn't faced up to some level of the things that you read about in equations. You know, having said that, all the female characters were much smoother for me to write. I could, you know, glide in and out of their psyche from that what I knew of, you know, people in my life, my friends, uh, my teachers at school, you know, things I'd seen in, around me. I was found it much easier to write the women characters. And I needed that for my own confidence because I was already kind of struggling with the the male characters, which is literally the main two characters of the book. 
Um, as for my favorite, it is uh, Sana, the Indian-American wife of Rajesh. You know, I feel very protective of her. She's a young girl. She's alone in like a completely new circumstance. And she's just generally alone. No, that that does make sense. And another thing that uh, that I really loved is Delhi. So again, it wasn't very sort of abrasive. It was, you painted this whole atmosphere that was very nostalgic. It reminded me of, um, you know, my time as a child in Delhi. Uh, there's a lot of Hindi in the book, you know, those birthday parties, afternoon atmosphere. But I couldn't quite put a finger on what you did to make this atmosphere of Delhi really come across. So how did you do this? How did you incorporate, you know, uh, Delhi into the book? So, you know, I look at my relationship with Delhi as, uh, you know, with a troubled sibling. We can't ever leave each other. We love each other, but it's a difficult place to live, isn't it? Even for someone with the kind of privilege that I am fortunate enough to enjoy. Um, like I said, you know, this book is written entirely from my own memories of growing up in Delhi, you know, specifically the parts of childhood, which you are referring to. And, you know, again, as a debut novelist, I keep going back to that because I think it's important to this to this conversation. I wasn't confident at all. Right. I mean, I, as I, I wasn't even confident enough to tell anyone I'm writing a book. So if you're not confident of your craft, you have to be confident of your subject. And that's why I, I felt that I was able to come across in the parts of Delhi with confidence because I possess that confidence. Like I know that everything I've written about Delhi is accurate. And uh, it's an ode to a city, you know, I can never stop loving despite uh, our problems. What advice would you give to somebody who wants to portray a sense of place in such a visceral way as you have? Well, firstly, they must be able to be honest with themselves that if you if you, you know, sugarcoat or see everything with rose-tinted glasses, your depiction will not be accurate. And the second is more practical, is you must know your subject inside out. If you don't know it yourself, you cannot portray it with confidence. So it makes me think about, you know, how debut writers struggle with a lot of self-doubt, right? We rely on a lot of feedback and, and we do know that you come from a literary family, you know, your mother... Uh, Namita Gokhale, she's also a quite a well-known writer and your sister is also, you know, the editor of a publishing house. So we wanted to know what was it like, uh, you know, sharing your work with them? Did they give you feedback? And what was it like growing up in a household with, with literary people? So I'll start with growing up with literary people. Um, I read one book a day. This is not an exaggeration. Every day I was taken to Midland Bookshop in Aurobindo Market and I could buy a book. And my parents were not uh, this generous of me if I want to buy anything else. But they never stopped me from uh, accessing knowledge, which I'm very grateful for because it has stood me in very good uh, stead through my life in that I'm just interested in things because of that. Um, as for you're right that I, I am surrounded by a very literary and in fact, an intellectual atmosphere, both, you know, on the part of my birth family and my husband's family. Uh, my mother is the kind of mother who thinks her daughters can do no wrong. Hey, very good. Very good. Beta, very good. So, you know, I actually <laughs> did. I did actually turn to her for any advice because I wanted some, uh, well, genuine advice. Okay. My sister, on the other hand, is a more critical eye because obviously, A, she is a publisher. She knows, you know, uh, the business of publishing in and out. And she was, in fact, my first reader. And the reason for this is, you know, I knew that she would be honest with me. And the reason was, and she said this to me later, if it wasn't good, I would have told you to save you the humiliation of having it out there. I would have euthanized this book in some way or the other without kind of, you know, you'd rather be embarrassed in front of me than literally the whole world. 
So, you know, yeah. I did I did benefit from that in a, in a lot. And, you know, to credit to my mother, she gave me the most important piece of writing advice that I would like to share with anybody who's struggling with finishing or writing. You know, all of us have so many things imposing on our time. And I also feel, you know, this is totally unrelated, but I think smartphones are like messing with our heads and our attention spans. So, you know, we need to write, there's a, there is a common wisdom that you must write 500 words a day or 1000 words a day. And, you know, I was struggling with that. And my mother says, well, you know, why don't you write 200 words a day? Now, that sounds really little, doesn't it? Um, and this is how I finished this novel because I would write 200 words a day. So it took me like three years instead of one and a half years or one year or whatever else, you know, the conventional wisdom says. But the point is it got done. It's not a race. But you have to get the job done every day. And you can't carry the 200 words over to the next day, if I'm being really specific here. And, you know, the, the way this advice worked so well is I had a child in the middle of those three years. I had a baby, right? So I had a, a, literally an infant in my lap, but I still could put the time aside for that. So, yes, I have benefited greatly from the wisdom of those around me in one way or the other. I totally relate with the bookstore, the reading a book a day thing. That's, that's what I used to do also. And my parents were like, oh, there must be something wrong with her. All she does is sit and read. But anyway, yeah. uh, you know, these are the perfect beta readers. But yes, I mean, I can imagine, you know, uh, also the kind of pressure it would be as a debut writer, uh, you know, putting your uh, first uh, baby out into the world, uh, first piece of literature out into the world. So what were your struggles, you know, as a debut writer? You know, I actually felt no pressure in the first book because I had no expectations of myself. And also, you know, I had gotten uh, very good feedback from all the publishing houses I had approached, right? And uh, I, I had the sense before the book entered the world that it was not bad. I mean, it was not horrible, at least, okay, that no one would hate it. So that was my starting point. I now feel pressure for my second book, because there is an expectation of X from me, which didn't exist in the beginning. How are you dealing with that pressure now when it comes to writing your second book? Well, I'll tell you when I get started, I'm in the ideating <laughs> stage. And the ideating yeah, staring out a wall and saying I'm ideating. So that's pretty easy, I suppose. Yeah. You know, we spoke about uh, the power dynamics in your books, right, Shivani? And and one thing that I really, really liked is how you have navigated uh, the power dynamic between a wife and a mistress. So in this case, it is Ahan's mother and Nuria. Why haven't you named Ahan's mother in the book? And actually, a lot of people have asked me that. I'm happy to hear it because I, I didn't know whether that's something everybody or, no, or anybody would pick up on. You know, Ahan's mother has subsumed her identity as a person to being a wife, a mother, the mistress of Second House. And it is that reason that I have not named her, because her own identity is subsumed. Um, um, I, I wanted to know about, um, you know, how you managed to... to... Um, cover um, different decades in the book, right? So it also covers the 1980s and it, and until today, right? Um, because a lot of writers who speak to us tell us, you know, it, it is kind of um, um, a pressure or it's kind of confusing because, you know, when you when you uh, pick a certain time period to portray, you know, even though it's not historical fiction, right? Uh, you have to be careful about the kind of references you give. You have to be um, aware of what you're doing, right? So it, it's, a, it's a very conscious effort which kind of, uh, you know, gets in the way of the fun of, of writing fiction. So what advice would you like to give writers who want to cover several decades, but who wants to who want to do it well? Well, you know, uh, Michelle, I studied history and I love history. So for me, it's a pleasure to read about other eras. So the advice I would give is you must enjoy it or, you know, you won't be able to immerse yourself in it. 
But specifically to this book, um, it's parallel to my own life, lifetime. I'm born in 1980. I'm 41 years old. And when Ahan and Rajesh are a certain age, I was also that certain age. And, you know, now kids are protected from a lot of stuff. But when we were kids, I remember, uh, you know, for example, the death of Indra Gandhi and the 1984 riots. I remember these things very clearly because I don't think our parents filtered us from life in the way at least I try and, uh, you know, protect my own children. So, you know, I had a sense of what it felt like at the time. So I didn't actually need a lot of research. Maybe I was, I don't know, hyper aware as an eight-year-old or something. But this is, you know, it's all, it's, if I was wrote about, say, the 1950s, I would have a much harder time because I wasn't around. I didn't know what it felt like. I didn't know, like, I know what it felt like to watch the first color TV or, you know, when we didn't have mobile phones or when we had pen pals. I have, you know, you can read up as much as you want. But unless you can feel it, you can't bring authenticity, which comes from little details that you put into the writing. Like it is the details that make it authentic, which you can only give, like say at another session, you know, again, you know, somebody said to me, how did you put in this bit about Pudheen Hara when Indian kids travel abroad? Now that's a detail you can only know. You can't read this up somewhere, right? That all Indian kids travel with. That, yeah, that, yeah, it's it's really um, great because the book is so atmospheric, you know, and now I'm getting a little more of a sense of how you did that, uh, that sense of place and, you know, even the characters is these tiny, tiny details that fit very seamlessly into the book. Uh, so it's very interesting to hear yeah, and I like the the difference between the parenting styles, like you mentioned, Shivani, uh, because recently I watched um, the show called The Harper House. Um, and, and in that, they showed like three different kinds of parenting, for, uh, you know, in the present day. And like, for example, there is um, a couple who, who adopts the document. Of course, it's a satire, but they uh, adopt a documentary style of parenting where uh-huh. they just document what the child does and they don't interfere at all. You know, kind of like letting the child discover uh, life on their own. And then, you know, there's another couple who's just overly... Um, um, uh, uh, possessive or overly, you know, interfering in their child's life. So I find that really interesting. Uh, so yeah, now I want to talk about reading. And this is our reading section, <laughs> because all our listeners want to know about authors book recommendations. Uh, and so do we. So, you know, there are so many interesting books written about Delhi. Uh, one of the books that I really loved is Deepthi Kapoor's A Bad Character. Uh, but I want to know from you, you know, what are some books based in Delhi that you really like? Okay. So I actually loved uh, City of Jinns by William Dalrymple. I don't know if you've uh, you read that. No, no. It's, it's, it's excellent. He, he came to Delhi um, as a young man and he uh, spent a year in Delhi and he wrote this book. It's really well written. It's one of his very early books. Um, you know, specifically reading about Delhi, I haven't actually read a lot because for me, I'm reading... I've always preferred to read about the unfamiliar, to learn uh, new things, right? And not to say there aren't a lot of great books about Delhi, but maybe they just haven't, uh, they haven't kind of caught my interest. Um, as much as I used to read as a child, I'm uh, ashamed to say that since the pandemic, I've suffered from very bad reader's block in that I'm unable to concentrate the way that I could. I mean, it could be that there's so many things, you know, vying for attention. I mean, you know, uh, what is it called? Doom scrolling. What, how do you guys feel? Do you feel in the modern time, as in in this pandemic era, you're reading like you used to? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Things have changed. Yeah, <laughs> we did yeah. like a whole episode on, <laughs> on this, on reading blog. Exactly. Uh, oh, you did? And, cause just to add to that, you know, like you said, smartphones have really killed our uh, attention span. So, you know, we, we were talking about that, about how we just want to probably be updated with, with what's happening and we keep scrolling, right? Like doom scrolling. And then that really takes away 
from what we do but you know um uh, shivani what we have realized is what works for us is you know reading smaller pieces or at least for me you know uh, because if you, if you feel like oh you have to read a novel and and it does take a lot of time and um I would say a longer uh, stretch of time to read a novel, right? So for us, I think reading short stories works. I right? think for me, like I don't read so much short things, but I think for me, like rereading things because it's familiar. Yeah, that's know? a good so idea. So I'll just it. like go back and like I know a book is good. I don't remember all of it. I'll just go back and <laughs> reread it. Uh, that that has helped a lot with the reading block. Made my, my book is quite short. There was a reason for this. is i do feel there's a lot of things uh, vying for our attention like i'm saying you know to get someone to read a very very long book by a debut novelist i felt would be a real uphill task right i wanted a book that a person can read in two or three sittings because i don't feel like i can demand more time or i could demand more time from a reader at this point i wanted it to be a lighter read and there's a reason you know if i told you i've written this book you know tara it's about misogyny patriarchy marital abuse uh, domestic abuse poverty class difference you know you might say oh you know i think i'll read this one a little bit later right so then I, you know something has to give something has to become lighter so i wanted not to then you know make it too long or go too heavy on the language part and you know i'll give you this analogy which uh, yesterday i was thinking you know you are going to a wedding first you put on a heavy saree then you put on some heavy jewelry then you say chalo some red lipstick then you do your hair in a big hairdo and then you also carry a fancy handbag and paint your nails red you're going to look like a caricature right so you have to take something away for the whole thing to work and that's what i was going with with the length and the lightness because the subjects are actually quite heavy if you look into it yeah and it was uh, that yeah. dichotomy was interesting um, you know because it did feel like a light book uh, but at the same time it was you know very complex in its ideas and it was very sort of immersive and i personally love that kind of reading that's something that really appeals to me uh, so yeah and since we're talking about books um you know like you said you don't want to sound preachy or i think you know when when a writer has an agenda in mind or or a propaganda rather you know like ayn rand's um uh fountainhead a lot of people said though it's a good book it's quite obvious that her philosophy is coming through that right so there was a there was a hidden agenda and i think uh your book consciously avoided that so but talking about the most interesting aspect of your book which is class right so my uh, one of my all time favorite stories is the kite runner by khalid hosseini oh, because beautiful again book. yeah it's it's i i just i could you know go on and on about it because obviously you know it's about two boys again there's a, there's a class difference and all of that um between them um i loved uh, you know this is uh, this sunil gangopadhyay those days i loved that i loved a lot of jumpa lairi's books um and i love uh, a book actually written by my brother-in-law patrick french called india a portrait so i actually enjoy a lot of non-fiction reading like one of the excellent books i've read in the last year is uh, yeah cast cast by elizabeth uh, wilkerson this is an excellent uh, non-fiction book i i read last year which compares caste in um, india america and nazi germany this is very very interesting so for me a lot of non fiction reading the last few years has been uh, very fulfilling and you know again this has to do with attention span in that i can pick it up and put it down much easier than i can a fiction book because i feel like the idea somewhere stay with you like i really enjoyed uh, sapiens uh, in fact i just started a graphic novel as well oh i i loved the graphic novel yeah And I like the best time reading that. One of the books I'm reading right now, which is really interesting, is A Rude Life by Veer Sangvi. 
And again, I read a bit of it. I put it away. I pick it up again. He's had such an interesting life and interactions and stuff. So I'm curiously, I think, more of a nonfiction reader than a fiction reader. Yeah, but you never know what like stays and what, you know, filters in. I always think that, you know, we're all consuming, at least for me, we're all consuming so much content nowadays, you know. Um, some of it has to come out somehow. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, and, and, and you don't know from where, right? You don't know from who had probably what has influenced you because you see a lot of things. Yeah. Like I read this book, The Cast by Suraj Yengde, I think his name is. A very famous uh, book on cast. And, uh, you know, the experience of being, because a lot of writing in India is obviously higher caste writing, right? So a lot of ideas came to me from that book. So our last section of this interview is the rapid fire round. Where oh my God. We will ask you questions and you will reply rapidly. I'll do it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go first. Um, one of your character's traits you wished you had? Uh, Rajesh's uh, ability to kind of get ahead despite everything. Now be bowed out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, okay. One biggest difference between the Delhi of the 1980s versus today? Parking. I mean, you wanted rapid fire. Okay. Writing or editing or promoting? Um, I would say probably editing. Writing, editing, promoting. Oh my God, I don't know. There are three such different things. Um, I don't know what your question is. So writing a really amazing bit and having a day of excellent writing is the most rewarding. But you know, I, I don't know, like uh, I have this analogy of I'm a lifelong gymmer, right? Or working out and writing, which is you have to show up at the gym every day, whether you have a good day or a bad day for you to have the desired result. Similarly, you have to go through really bad writing days and hope for some very good writing days to get a book finished. This is not very rapid of me, but yeah. <laughs> no, that's a no, great no, yeah. line of hearing about writing routines, you know. Yeah. So, but where do you write? In my gym, actually. Looking <laughs> Because I have a wow. small gym in the house. And this is, uh, you know, I mean, it's obviously only used for a couple of hours a day, one hour by me and one hour by my husband. So then I put a desk there because then the room is empty like 20 hours a day, right? That is one of the most unique writing places I've heard of. Yeah, <laughs> it exactly. It's where I'm sitting now. And actually, so, you know, I used to do headstands and it really helped me with my writing. So there is a great connect. You know, they say that sitting is the worst position to think. They, whoever they are. That you all, I always get my best thoughts while I'm walking or running or like, you know, I feel it's very invigorating. I completely agree. I, I always like say that like, you know, like after yoga, my mind is clear and I can actually work. So, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think cardio, cardio helps for me. Dance is, is something that, that really, um, you know, gets me out of this whole sitting zone. Three of your all time favorite fiction books. So I have uh, named two, which is uh, A House for Mr. Biswas and uh, uh, Those Days. And I would say the third is Paru by Namita Gokhale, my mother's first book. I think it's yeah. a fantastic book. You know, so I actually do this um, class called Read Like a Writer. Right. And I uh, use Paro for that class. Oh, do you? I love that okay. book. Yeah, I do. Well, I love that book. So, And you know, when she wrote it in 1984 as a 26-year-old, I can tell you it was uh, another ball game altogether. Yeah, I can imagine. So thank you. Thank you so much, Shivani, for this conversation and for your insights. It was really interesting getting to know the person behind these characters that really, you know, stayed with me for a very long time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Tara and Michelle. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure. 
you know tara i think indian fiction needs more stories about class right this conversation actually reminded me about diksha vasu right whom we interviewed in season 2 because her work also slices through delhi and its society but just see how different it is from the way shivani has done it right yeah i mean there's so many different angles you know like diksha's mm. book was so interesting because it's sort of a social satire whereas shivani's book is very much a mirror and every writer has their own way of contributing um and that's what's so great about what we do you know because there's no dearth of ideas there's no dearth of techniques you can have a million writers each writing a million great books all you writers out there who are feeling lost don't worry we are here with a special offer on our mentorship program so book your slot for the year before march 1st use the discount code boundmenti2022 to get a 10% discount on our 3 month mentorship program the link is in our show notes And, and, and really, I'm very excited actually for our next episode because um, it covers a very topic that is a book that is very dear to me. Uh, I've actually edited this book. Um, we're speaking to Tanushree Podar, the author of Women in Green, and we're going to see how women in India navigate a very male-dominated space. That is the army. It, it's it is beyond fascinating. Yeah, I can't wait to find out really like especially because it's an episode where you really you know talk to her and you get into the nitty-gritties of editing. I am really excited about it. So Yeah, so you know, as usual we're editors, podcasters, storytellers. You guys know it and through Bound we help you create stories and put them out into the world. We love yeah. the world of words. So thanks so much for tuning in to Books and Beyond with us. We'll be back next Wednesday with Tanushree Podar.